Hello, hello. Here are the Loom Plotters. Welcome. Back again. Yes. For yes, another welcome episode. everyone. Once again, uh, we are back with another hot topic. Indeed. As hot as it gets in the watch world. <laughs> Rolex. Yeah, what happened? What happened in the United States? Uh, finally, the Rolex certified pre-owned, um, what is this? Yeah, certified pre-owned uh, offering has, yeah, CPO has been launched with, uh, I think it with Bucherer and um, at the moment. And, so so uh, yeah. it's already been launched in Switzerland with Bucherer. Yeah. Yes. And there was one big event that recently happened, which in the US we used to have a dealer known as Torno. Mm -hmm. And apparently Bucherer purchased Torno. Torno was always in the uh, process of going out of business. As far as I can remember back in the early 2010s, you know, it was always, it seemed like it was always failing. So apparently Bucherer put a, a large amount of money into it. So now they are, of course, going to be the first ones to receive this uh, CPO. So it's an interesting thing. And it got us thinking, what does this mean for the watch community? What is CPO? And of course, what does this mean for servicing? How is this going to affect uh, uh, used watch sales and servicing? Yeah, I think um, let's go into a bit of an explanation. So Bucher bought Tono in 2018. So it's already five years ago, but they are big now, much bigger than they used to be. Right? So which yeah. means a prime example of, of how to use CPO. Let's explain quickly what is the Rolex CPO program. So this is I okay. think, um, a program that Rolex offers to their authorized dealers to now sell Rolex watches that are then authentic and where the authenticity is guaranteed. Um, Rolex does an inspection of these watches and gives a certificate and an additional two years warranty to that watch. So basically they're saying, okay, the watch has been checked by Rolex, gets a new hang tag, gets a new warranty card, and is then a Rolex certified watch, which gives, of course, as a customer, all the benefits of being 100% sure the watch is original, every part is um checked it is it might be serviced might not be serviced i i read that and not necessarily do a service for the watches if they don't need a service they just certify mm -hmm. that it that it's fine um the rolex certified pre-owned program has a few little um differences for example the new, the new hang tag is in a cream color rather than before a, a full green one, right? So you have a different hang tag on it. Uh, I think even the, the warranty card is, is, is in a cream color rather than a green one that you get from when you buy a new one. You get a bit little pouch and all of this little stuff that, that Rolex then gives you. So basically the authorized dealers sent their watches that they buy from, um, from outside, from some, some customers and send them to Rolex and then um, get this watch back with all of these things attached to it. They are also one, one thing that um, the Rolex certified pre-owned program does is, is you cannot send a watch in that is um, 
younger than three years. So the watch has to be minimum three years old, which obviously makes certain flipping a bit harder, right? At least via these authorized dealers. And authorized dealers cannot just um, have somebody just buy and sell the watch directly so they can sell it for a much higher price, right? Correct. Because yeah. then, then basically the, the, the authorized dealer... The dealer make, would have uh, no... Yeah, yeah, no interest in selling new watches if they can <laughs> exactly. sell them for a higher price used. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So they would all buy yeah. everything, they would sit on it for a year, yeah. and then sell it immediately back. And that's how it also makes sense that it's another two-year international guarantee. Because if if because Rolex gives five years on all their watches, right, from, from the yep. purchase price. And if you have the watch, and let's say you, you really sell it after three years back to your authorized dealer because you're trading it in for something new, they just offered another two years of warranty. You you don't Correct. have an extension on the service interval. We're talking about service a bit later in the episode, but um, a three-year-old watch that is inspected by Rolex and decided, well, it's it's completely fine, doesn't need service, will not be serviced. So that means you still have to adhere to, yeah, the yeah. normal intervals if you want to follow them. Correct. Right. But anyhow. Um, what do we think about it? I mean, when you look at these retailers and what kind of prices they offer for this certified pre-owned program, uh, let's let's talk about the sales, the sell prices first. They are way above the market price. Way Did you look through the list at Pusher? I, I did. I did at some at some of them. Uh, it's a it's already a few days ago. Let me check. Yeah, it's available online for those of you that want to look through. Yeah. You could go to Torno slash Buhurer's pre-owned list. Yeah. So the prices are way <clears throat> higher for this. For this, uh, And, and f strangely enough, what I found as well is that, that it doesn't matter which age, uh, which year the watch is. If it's a GMT Master 2, for example, from 2008 or from 2005, it doesn't really matter from, for the price. Um, it's the same. It's the same price there. Yeah, which, I noticed this as well. They had a number of them. Yeah, uh, black dial me. GMT or black uh, bezel GMTs, mm -hmm. identical price. Yeah, it's and I'm looking at it like yeah. you can't tell me the three watches have no significant differences in terms of year quality, anything, and they're just slapping on a price tag yeah. for everything. Yeah. So, and again, do do you know when was the last service? I don't know if they're actually saying that, and they don't do that in the um, in the in the description, at least. So yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, this is so really once something. Again, yeah, there's a two-year warranty. Sure, that's 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 nice. But do we know when the watch was last serviced? We don't know. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit strange, right? Uh, especially the prices are a bit strange. Now, the next question that we have to ask. I mean, we are coming back to the prices, of course, but the next question we have to ask is how much do they actually pay you if you are selling your watch there do they also pay a lot more than the, the normal price you would get outside in the secondary market or not that is i think a, a very big question and i haven't tried that i'm assuming blindly mm -hmm. it's they're gonna buy low sell high I, so I am assuming we have to remember. the same thing. I mean, we, we, we also have to remember <laughs> that a Rolex authorized dealer is used to have, let's say, a healthy profit margin with watches. 
certain watch, watch model uh, brands have up to 50% profit margin for the retailer. Some like Rolex, probably less, especially for the more expensive ones, you probably have around 30, 35% in this realm, right? Maybe for some super high, high priced watches, a bit less, but that's your profit margin as, as a retailer. I have a feeling that they will have the same profit margin for the watches that they are purchasing. I think they're doubling their prices. <laughs> is my rough estimate. Um, <laughs> I was looking at, once again, these uh, these GMT Masters, yeah. which yeah. currently a black bezel GMT Master to the ceramic bezel, the, the one with the green GMT hand, yeah. roughly trades for around 12,000 US dollars. Yeah. Uh, secondhand right now. And the market is a little soft. Yeah. They listed three of them, yeah. $20,000 each. Unbelievable, yeah. So that's 8000 above what you could normally get it for. And then on top of this, I guarantee you they bought them for 10 each, maybe even less. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I've seen these these, uh, these GMT Master 2, right, that I looked at, and there's, I think, four or five of them are there. They're all 14900 I'm at the Swiss Swiss page at the moment yeah. because it, it's found which my where the, the closest location for Buchora. And everything is 14,900 Swiss francs. It doesn't matter if the watch is from 2000, 2004. Um, yeah, what do we So I here? did, I did see a few. Yeah, it's so weird. It's all the same price. See, I think the certified pre-owned program can be very good for people who just want to continue to have a relationship with that particular dealer, right? Because you're still making revenue at the same dealership that could help you get better pieces in the future for list price. But it's a yeah. high price to pay because if you're if you're paying like four or five thousand Swiss francs more than you would pay in a in a you know at the, the secondary market for sometimes even a watch that's still under warranty. Why would you do that, right? That's really so, a big question. Why would you do that? I mean, okay, so on the U.S. site, they are telling you year. So as I mentioned, here's the Rolex yeah. GMT Master II, mm -hmm. um, black bezel, 2008. So it's an old one. First year they came out, um, 17,000 U.S. dollars plus tax. We have to remember in the U.S., taxes uh, after, so roughly... Yeah. Adding a, we'll say an eight percent tax. Yeah. Uh, you are looking at eighteen thousand five hundred dollars. Um, okay, so let's look at a cheaper watch, something that would normally on the secondhand market not have a whole lot of value. And I saw a few of these mm -hmm. in here. Um, one of them specifically. If let me see if I can find it, so I can give you exact details. Um, was a really basic, plain um, date just. But let me see which one I've found. So in essence, oh, also, I, I can't bypass this. 2013 Milgauss. Okay. Black dial, 15,000 US dollars. Wow. It's unbelievably ridiculous. <laughs> um, I mean. Yeah, that's all. That's, uh, whoa. It, it's... 
So bad. Um, so sorry, it wasn't a date, Jess. It was an oyster perpetual. Yeah, is what I found. It was a ladies size, which I do have experience in. In ladies oyster perpetual, twenty six millimeter pricing. So you wear them every now and then. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. I throw them on once in a while. Um, no, no, my wife, of course, yeah, has one. Of course, yeah. So I remember how much it was bought for. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, I'm looking through and I'm saying, okay, are there any good deals to be had? And I did find a couple that I thought were, I should say, reasonably priced. Um, and one was this 26 millimeter Oyster Perpetual Date from 2002 yeah and the price is four thousand dollars wow which i think is is high mm -hmm. uh, but it's reasonable right so the generally speaking the bottom end i would say for a, for an oyster perpetual in a lady's size is probably around three thousand dollars yeah so um okay they gave a markup of 25 percent over Uh, normal secondhand values. I think it's, it's not too bad. But when we're looking at some of the other watches and we're seeing 75 to 100% markup over your regular aftermarket or uh, secondhand prices, that gets a little ridiculous. Yeah, so. I, I think the if you if you look at you know the same watch, let's say on Chrono 24, Chronext, or any other platform, and you look like for a, a similar model with a younger date that is still under warranty, you will find it cheaper. Most. Yeah. Which, again, is, is, is strange to me. I mean, I understand this, in this case, Bucherer has to pay Rolex a certain amount for this certified pre-owned procedure. Yeah. Right? So, uh, exactly. So it doesn't matter what which watch it is, they're going to pay the same, right? Whether it's a $4,000 Oyster Perpetual mm. or a $20,000 um, you know, uh, as we were saying, the GMT Masters. And, and this is what I'm saying, is I'm going through this list right now, and I've seen at least, I thought it was three, but it's way more than three. I guess I didn't go through enough pages of this. But every single black GMT Master yeah. is the exact same price of $16,750. <laughs> so right now, yeah, side yeah, by yeah. side, 2006 16,750, or you can get a 2000 and which one was this? 2016, 10 yeah. years newer for the same price. And how is that logical? It's not. No, it's not logical. That's true. So, also, what can I mean, you do? You see, uh, Sky Dwellers, for example. Um, okay, they only have the golden ones at the, yeah, my Swiss. Yeah, I didn't see any. Um, but I don't even see any any Milgaus here. Uh, I looked at the Air Kings, and there's a few Air Kings that have no <laughs> they have no um, year listed, so we don't know when mm -hmm. it was produced for eleven thousand five hundred Swiss francs, which is I don't know how much is that eleven thousand five hundred Swiss francs in US dollars. Oh, that's about nearly thirteen thousand dollars, including tax, though. Uh, yeah, but still, wow. And if you want one from two thousand nineteen which obviously must be the youngest because that's why it's listed. And all of these Air Kings are the previous model, yeah? Not the one, the new one with the... Not the zero five With the um, crown guards. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that's 12,000 Swiss francs. So, 
500 dollars more or 500 swiss francs more so that's 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 pretty pretty expensive if you look your your um sky sky dweller is two-tone correct yeah i have a two-tone okay i found uh this is on uh silver dial two-tone sky dweller with the um, oyster bracelet 27,000 us 2019 mm -hmm. wow. so 100,000 That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they are, especially my two-tone version that I have, um, if I need to sell it now, and my watch is one and a half years old or one year old, so that means it's um, it's still under warranty, still has four years of warranty, uh, I would probably get, if I'm lucky, I can sell it for retail, if I really need to sell it. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm giggling over here, meanwhile, because I'm seeing rhodium dial oyster perpetuals, if you remember, yeah. um, the 39mm, $11,000. Yeah, this is not, not Which is what? Yeah, that's, that's too much. It's ridiculous. But anyway, all right. Yeah, so we have, enough, we have, enough about this. Yeah, we, we gave you some examples of pricing. Yeah. Um, it, it's across the board, uh, mostly ridiculous. I, I Now, think, yeah, I think it's aimed at people who shop at these places. The same, okay, but look. not just that; it's it's mm. people that aren't into watches per se, right? It's people that want a Rolex. They know nothing about it, and I've mentioned this: buying used Rolexes can be extremely stressful. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. We have had friends make mistakes. Uh, buy something that wasn't authentic or something that wasn't original. Um, even I, um, and I. I have been a Rolex wearer, so to speak, for, for nearly a decade. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that I feel you can get to know Rolex quality is, of course, by wearing it. If you have worn a Submariner every single day for five years, you know exactly how that clasp feels when you close it, the sound it makes, how the bracelet feels, you know, how it bends. Yeah. Um, and these are things you cannot fake. Um, so in essence, having that background knowledge, you can go in and look through some Rolex watches and say, okay, I believe this is genuine. Mm -hmm. Now, um, most people in the world don't have this luxury, right? They don't, yeah, they don't live and breathe watches like we do. So for them, it's just easy to go and say, well, clearly it's authentic. So I'll pay whatever it meant. And we do have to remember, there's a lot of people out there that don't know about Chrono 24. They probably don't even look at prices. They say, I want this black dial Rolex yeah, and they go and buy it. Of course. I, I think there's, there's, there's uh, one, one use case I, I can definitely see is people who go into the shop, into Bucherer saying, I like these Rolex watches. I would like to have one without any idea that these watches are hard to get, that they're wish list, that they're wait list, all of these things. Once they are explained, mm -hmm. hey, yeah, you can have one, but it might take two, three years because I put you on the wait list or on a wish list. Yeah. Or I cannot even put you on a wish list if you don't have any spend with us. But if you want to, you can come here but and buy this one. right now. You can, yeah, you can walk out of my store with one, but you pay a bit more and it's a pre-order yeah. one. But once you buy this watch, I can put you on the list for a new one for list price and I'll buy back your pre-owned one. Yeah. And the dealer which can I do think... this, which is of course then giving you the, a bit of um, 
I don't know if they're giving any price guarantees. I, I, I remember here in Dubai, we have one pre-owned dealer that uh, gives you the price minus 25% mm -hmm. within two years if, you, if the watch is still in good condition. Yeah. Back. So you get 75% of your value back if you trade it. Which, which dealer is this? Watches market. Okay, I'm not familiar. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's, I didn't know this exists. It's, it's a very good thing if you are flipping yeah. through your watches and how it gets the price of wearing it. And of course, if the price went up in the meantime, then you might get a bit more. If uh, yeah. the price went down, at least you will get 75% because he sticks with to his word, right? So that's really nice. And that's really, um, I think this is a way of how, let's say, Bucherer and others can bind the customer to them, saying, okay, you bought it from me, I'll buy it back once you are you know, get your next one or you're traded in because you, you now get the one that is on, you're on the list for. So I think that that can really be a good customer relationship. But if you are a bit, bit inclined and if you have a bit of experience with watches and you know that there is a big secondary market with trusted dealers like David SW, Bob's Watches and uh, Luxury Souk and all of these big ones, right, that have their own YouTube channels that are These guys, when you buy watches from them, they are real. They are checked. These guys are mm -hmm. like a very experienced watchmakers and people who handle watches yeah. for many decades. They can spot fakes. So they will never sell you one. Yeah. Um, and uh, But this is what I wanted to mention yeah. here is imagine this scenario. I walk into Rolex. Mm. I want a GMT Master II. Right. They tell me I cannot get one. Yeah. So they offer me a pre-owned. I buy the pre-owned, a bit of a markup as yeah. usual. I walk home. I wear for three years. In three years, as you said, the guy calls me and says, oh, your GMT has arrived. Yeah. I go in. I can guarantee you, you're going to get exactly what you, what the new watch would cost. That's how much they're going to give you for your pre-owned. So essentially, you're trading yep. your used watch for a brand new one, which is a win for you. <laughs> yeah, and it's a win for the AD because then they can sell flip it back it, around and sell it again. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah. it is I mean, quite a fantastic. Bit of, they can make with, with one watch. Uh, they can they can uh, you know make multiple times revenue mm -hmm. and profit with exactly. the same watch. Uh, that's great. Um, yeah, definitely. There's there's a There's, it, it makes sense. Um, we should look at these uh, websites from from Bucherer and uh, should see how fast this inventory actually changes and if they're really selling them. That would be interesting to see. If, uh, mm -hmm. you know, we have a yeah. handful of watches, we just look at them and see if they actually move, right? The thing is, you don't know if it's that specific watch because there's a hundred of them and yeah. uh, is it that GMT? Is yeah. it a different one? Of course, yeah. They add a new one, you do, we never know. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think there's really any identifying information on there they're not giving you serial numbers yeah but i think it's a as i said it's it's, it's a great service for people who who are not really into it yes yeah. they will be overpaying but they probably have a good way of trading it back in now and, and it's for to, convenience right yeah, you're paying price for convenience but if you know i mean the the the, the for anybody who resells a watch that was bought by the cert, with a certified pre-owned certificate does it mean anything will the watch be worth more no yes you have two years warranty 
But the moment mm -hmm. that the watch leaves the shop, you could have manipulated it, right? So you could have changed yeah. the movement or yeah. changed things in it, or it, you just replaced it with a fake or whatever. Correct. The same serial number. Nobody will know that. So that certificate is useless the moment you have purchased it. Yeah. But you still have the warranty on it. So that's the good But you still have your it. peace of mind if you're the mm. one that's wearing the watch, which is... Sure. You so know what I mean? It's for the first buyer again. Usually but it could also have some uh, level of uh, provenance as well. <clears throat> Knowing that, you know, if we went from no box, no papers, yeah. to all of a sudden there's papers again, right? Correct. That would increase the value of this watch. So that's also something that you couldn't consider. You buy a watch from any other pre-owned dealer without papers, let's say. It doesn't have papers. You trust the dealer. You say, okay, that is a reputed, reputable de dealership. I will just buy my watch from them. You save, let's say, $5,000 or $2,000 or $3,000, but you want papers. So you give it for to service for Rolex, right? Rolex yep. services the watch. It doesn't give you new original warranty card, but it gives you service card. So you will get, which now means it's authentic. Yeah, yeah. So you basically get the same that you would get with uh, the certified pre-owned program. You get another two years of warranty on the watch. I think they do two years, right? For uh, after service, they guarantee. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think they do. I've never done it. <laughs> I have. Yeah, I had a watch repaired by Rolex and. Um, I must say my experience with Rolex service, especially here in the region, was uh, excellent so far. Uh, I mean, one was Tudor. I had the Tudor Black Bay GMT that had the uh, date wheel issue, right? And the date was flipping, uh, was stuck between dates or flipped two, two days in, in 24 <laughs> hours. Uh, weird stuff. Um, that got fixed and got fixed twice because the first time <laughs> it came back. Um, and the second one was... Um, My wife's date just 31. It's a nice two-tone uh, Roman dial watch that had a defective rotor. And this watch was from 2015 or so, but it was just purchased three months before they extended the warranty to five years. Mm -hmm. So when I went and, and brought it to serve, uh, to to check because the rotor, it, it wouldn't charge anymore. So that means uh, when even by wearing it, it would stop eventually. So something was wrong with the rotor and you could hear it. There's, there was something not right. So we brought it there and um, I was fully convinced it's still under warranty. But then they told me, no, it's not because it was bought three months before we actually extended the warranty to five years. So it, has, it had only three and a half years, which ex was expired. Mm -hmm. uh, but they said you know what let me see what we can do two weeks later I got the watch back repaired free of charge that's nice yeah it was really nice yeah and I, I thought so, that's really lovely service right? yeah yeah hmm. no I agree I, I had the same thing uh, I bought second hand uh, technically second hand but it was still new my wife's Oyster Perpetual Uh, 26 uh, and it was gaining time right and I took it in and here in Elaine we have our own uh, Russell Hurry has their own service center mm -hmm. and it's very nice because you walk in and you deal with the service guy directly so oh, I'm great. able to yeah. do this as opposed to going through a boutique and then they send it for you I physically go in um, and it's fantastic because the guy looked at it 
He said, okay, give me a moment. He opened it up, regulated the watch, and I, I, I was fully prepared to service it. Mm -hmm. The watch was a 2012, but it was an M serial, which means it was produced in 2009. Right, so yeah. papers dated it 2012, which means it sat around in the Elaine Mall uh, boutique for three years before it was purchased by someone or somewhere in the Rolex system for three years. Yeah. So um, purchased it in 2020. And so already eight years from the original purchase date. But then if we look at the manufacture date, then it was an additional, um, you know, 11 years now. Mm. So I was expecting to, you know, take it for service. Rolex recommends servicing every, every um, 10 years. Yeah. And the guy opened it up, said, this watch is brand new. There's zero reason to service it. I would not touch it. I would not mess with it. I will regulate it for you. And he regulated it free of charge, gave it back and said, if something stops working, then you bring it in. Yeah, so that that that's I think that that's really some um, good advice for companies, and and we are already completely in the service topic, right? We are now left yeah, CPO we kind of behind transitioned, yeah. and and uh, talking about service in the meet, but in between, let's quickly ask, what are you wearing? Oh uh, yeah, this? I was gonna. I, I, we forgot about this. Um, <laughs> I am wearing my daughter's birth year, oh. um, birthday Omega C, uh, Speedmaster. Moonwatch. Nice. So this is the Hesselite version, 1861 movement. Um, and this is the one that I mentioned in previous podcast that I left the hospital to go and buy while yes. well, right yeah. after, I should say, not <laughs> while my wife was in labor, that would be bad. Um, right after the, my daughter was born about 24 hours after I, I left and picked it up. Yeah. Lovely. And you? Lovely. I, I saw I saw a little Maltese cross on the bottom. Yeah. And then I'm wearing the um Vacheron Constantin 56. I have put it again on the bracelet. I have bracelet. a silver so, dial version. Usually the bracelet is reserved for the blue dial version of the 56 self-winding. But um, the boutique manager had one of these bracelets there, was ordered by somebody mm -hmm. else. Um, it's very hard to get bracelet, funny enough. Um It has a waiting list. Can you imagine for a bracelet? And and yeah, I I, I was lucky enough. I was there um, at the time when he had one you know, because I was looking at a new strap and he said like, oh, you know what? I actually have a bracelet for this watch if you like. It fits the silver dial as well as the blue dial. So if you like, you can purchase that from, from us. When How said, much? Yes. How um, much? We have to ask. <laughs> at the time, I paid 5,500 dirhams for that bracelet. Wow. It's not too bad. For a Vacheron bracelet, It's not at not all. not bad at all. I exactly. was expecting, you know, 10K at least yeah, uh, for yeah, this, because absolutely. if we look at it, um, for my Speedmaster, I bought a bracelet recently, um, and that was 3,500 roughly. And this bracelet so, is insanely comfortable. It's very well made. It has these uh, quick adjustments, even though it has a butterfly clasp um, where you can pull out. So it's halfway between a beads of rice and like a five link. Yeah, exactly. It's it's really yeah. lovely. So anyway, of course, it makes the watch a bit monochromatic, right? Everything is silver. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I like think, that. I like it. Yeah, I think it looks I like great. It too. Yeah. It's very comfortable. and um, I'm very... Uh, uh, I, I like it. The look of it, the whole monotone silverness, it, it looks really cool. And once again, I was trying to figure out what you were wearing because it kept flashing across the screen. Uh, but yeah. uh, I did not. You know, all I saw was the Maltese cross. Yes, exactly. So that's how I knew it was the Vacheron, but I've never seen it on the bracelet. This is, you know, I've seen it in the strap. 
Yeah. Um, no, so it's, it's very really cool. Lovely. It's really lovely. Um, yeah. So coming back to servicing, right? This watch is mm -hmm. from 2018, right? Um, okay. Yeah, I bought this uh, pre-owned from Singapore. Uh, so technically, it's might be up for service eventually if after five, mm -hmm. six years. But I mean, this is um, again. It's, it depends on on each watch. Rolex, as you said, recommends on their website in their FAQs. They say bring the watch when something is wrong, or about every ten years, mm -hmm. and that's exactly a bit different because usually what Rolex does is most of their service is a fixed price. A full complete service is a fixed price. They will replace everything that needs replacing and do the usual things which happens during a full service which might be interesting for the listeners. The entire watch is being disassembled. Mm -hmm. The movement is taken out completely disassembled into individual parts. They are being Uh, taking apart, cleaned, then assessed if they're still in specs or not. If uh, the, you know the different wheels or uh, the spring, the mainspring or everything needs needs replacing, they will be replaced. And then it's being reconstructed, regulated, and put back into the watch. If anything needs exchanges, they will do this as part mm -hmm. of these um, of the full price for the. For the service, yeah, you can sometimes end up with when when you have to buy an additional link for the bracelet, or maybe the hands up need to be replaced. It depends, I think, on on which model of of watch you have, if you have to pay for it or not. But generally, I think it's it's all inclusive in this in this full yeah. service costs, and most likely they also do a light polish. Um. Unless you say you don't want that, then they leave it. But even it then, here's the problem. Is, is a lot of people have said this. They have told them not to do the polish. And Rolex tends to not listen to customers and they do whatever <laughs> they want. Happen. It can happen. Yeah, so but it I, does happen. Yeah, but generally they follow exactly what you're saying or what you want. If you're saying like very light polish or no polish, you can do mm -hmm. that. So I yeah. have, I have um, yeah, Again, also a bit of a split mind on it. Certain watches, I don't want them to to polish. I mean, not my Rolexes because they're all relatively new in any case. But I mean, um, like an old vintage watch that you have, you might just want to keep it as original as possible. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I had some a watch that my wife wanted for the longest time. It's a Breitling Chronomart in 36 millimeters, blue dial with two-tone bezel and these kind of things. A wonderful watch, but of course, because it's it's I think discontinued in the two, early two thousands, you can only find watches that are twenty years old, right? Mm -hmm. So the most watches that you can find pre-owned are pretty banged up. Yeah. So this, and once again, yeah. it's 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 a, a sports yeah. watch, so therefore nobody's taking care of them. Nobody yeah, is really babying yeah. them; they're exactly. wearing them for yeah. beating them up. Yeah. And and what Breitling also does here in the in the in the region and is exceptional, good service, um, and and affordable. They, um, I, I gave them the watch, and when I received the watch, and I bought it from overseas, so from uh, from the US, I, I got it here, and when it arrived here. I used a chronometer 
uh, sorry, the, the chronograph function. And when I reset the chronograph, two hands fell off. <laughs> I was like, ah, like, oh, that's a bit bad, right? So they just floated in the in, on the dial. And I thought, all right, so it has to go to service. Yeah. Anyhow, I gave them full service. The watch came back and it looked like brand new. It wasn't polished before, but after it came back, not only repaired, but also it was absolutely amazing. Modern mm-hmm. watch cases, when they are being um, polished by the manufacturer, I would say you probably can, when they know what they're doing during the polishing, the cases are constructed in a way that you can polish them a couple of times, probably four, five, six times, without it actually showing too much, mm-hmm. if they're doing a good job. But if you buy pre-owned, I mean, you and I, we have seen, we have looked through pre-owned watches and we have seen watches that were butchered, right? They were <laughs> polished yeah, yeah. by probably a five-year-old or, <laughs> or it seems like 30 a... times polished. Who knows? <laughs> where, I, I... where the form of the case was completely destroyed. There's not any sharp lines anymore. Everything is just, and things that should be brushed were polished and things that were uh, I saw uh, somebody... I don't know what happened, but there's a picture floating around the internet of a guy that took his uh, Hulk in yeah. for service. I don't know. I'm assuming not at Rolex, but he claims it was at Rolex, but I highly disagree. I don't think it could have been, Yeah. but it came back fully polished. Oi. So every surface of the Hulk was polished. Yeah, well. <laughs> he claims it was Rolex. This is on the Rolex forums. So if, if you do a quick Google search mm. of... Uh, um polished hulk do you think that was the the intern at rolex i don't know what happened that, right? ah yeah it can happen who knows but who knows? uh but yeah what so I, what, anyway what, so what what do we recommend i think uh it's generally you say um watches that have these these like a, a normal uh service amount I, I recently serviced one watch it was a longines Master calendar moon phase. I don't know what its exact name is. You know, from the master line that they have. Uh, it's a very nice watch. It's one of the more complex yeah, ones from yeah. Longines. Um So that had an issue. I also bought this watch only in 2018, so it's not too old. But I think something got stuck. Uh, you know, and when in the transparent case back, I saw a little speck of some that looked like a bit of goo or rubber or or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah some kind of substance and it was on the back of the watch it was not in 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 you know in any place that would cause harm i didn't think about it much and then eventually it was gone so it must have fallen into the movement somewhere and the winding action suddenly became extremely hard so i thought ah yeah i think something got stuck somewhere <laughs> so better not yeah. use the watch anymore and bring it to service yeah i did this six weeks later i got it back um it was about you know 1200 dirhams or so or was it more i can't remember yeah and uh it was it was again slight light polish i asked them to only do a very very light buffing or brush brush up of the case wonderful works smoothly very precisely regulated everything is happy um, so so is it safe to say that your your philosophy on servicing is wait until something happens yes definitely that would be what i say in general um there is 
obviously um, a different system in oh let me just check what I paid here I can just look this up uh, yeah 12 $1250 I paid that is uh, in dollars just to give you an idea $340 for full service yeah and I can tell you what they did complete maintenance service dismantling of movement cleaning lubrication and assembling replacement of movement parts replacement of oil gaskets refurbishment of case refurbishment of bracelet adjustment of time rate restoration of water resistance crown was replaced case back gaskets glass gaskets bezel ring and then the final quality check and the technical and aesthetical final check that's a lot of things okay. they did for, for the price it is so, it is not bad at all. We can't compare. But if we look at the price compared to the value of the watch. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's 20% of the value of the watch, roughly. Of the value of the watch, it's about, yeah, 15% right now, but not what yeah. the list price of the watch is. Yeah. So this is what I'm just thinking is, is obviously sometimes is servicing. Higher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then you get the discount. and yeah. I think you end up, uh, you know, it just depends. Uh, but what it comes down to ultimately is, is I think we're in the, is we're in accordance. I say the same thing. A watch shouldn't be serviced until something happens. It could be losing, gaining time. It can be not holding power reserve, um, anything, right? Really. Uh, but what it comes down to is, um, I have had a lot of people saying they had a Rolex that was working perfectly fine for 20 years. Yeah. And they preemptively took it in to get a service. Yeah. And ever since, it has never been the same again. So this is the thing is, is sometimes um, servicing might not be the right idea. So. Well, what do you mean with it hasn't been the same ever since? They were saying that it was, it was uh, not keeping time like it used to. So oh. running fast, running slow, regulating issues. I mean, these are simple things. Yeah, but I mean, but, the, the, the thing is, the thing is, then you can actually bring it back because that's what your warranty is for, right? Of course, yeah. Of yeah. the of the work that they have done True. during the service. Um, but I do understand that some people are a bit more hesitant to do that because since, especially Rolex, is so popular, there's so many of these watches around. The lead times that you have sometimes for servicing are very long. Exactly, yeah. And you are without your watch for maybe months. Mm -hmm. um, months, I, uh, plural. Yeah, month, yes, plural. Yes, exactly. So it could, depending on if the watch can be serviced locally, usually Rolex has service yeah. centers around the world, so they they don't have to send everything to Switzerland. But um, depending where you are, and what the lead times are there and how busy these service centers are, it can take a long time. Yeah. I've heard some stories in some countries where you're quoted six to eight months mm -hmm. for a full service. And that's a long time to be without I a mean, watch. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I mean, imagine this in the car world. Um, oh, don't you, should know, you should know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you want to tell the, the, the listeners what happened with your uh, beautiful Touareg? Well, the Touareg is a different story. I'll tell you a worse story. The worst story is when. Oh, the, there's a worse story. Yeah. Well, just a quick cliff note the Touareg mm. was in the shop for a month, right? Yes, because we avoid waiting for the parts to come. Yeah. And I was advised not to drive it during the time. 
Okay, what's the worst story? Worst story was uh, when um, you have a Porsche and it's under warranty, right? Under extended warranty. And you bring this in and you can't use the roof, right? On a, on a convertible. That sucks because the windows don't, you know, they have to go slightly down in order to open the roof and mm -hmm. to open and close the roof. And that didn't work. The roof, the, the, the um, windows would not go down in order to close the roof. So when you close the roof, you can't close the door unless you manually, <laughs> it was it was completely weird. Something was really not right on this watch, right? Uh, on, on this car. And you bring it to the service center, they do something, you pick it back up, uh, two, two, three days later, uh, three days later it happens again, you bring it back and so on. So I brought this this car there on and off over two months until I had enough and said like, you keep that car until it's fixed. I, you know, and it took them three weeks uh, and I complained to the general manager, to the group general manager and CEO. And eventually when I reached that level, um, he intervened and said, okay, give that guy at least a replacement car. Mm -hmm because you are such a long time without a without a car, right? And you have to make an arrangements or rent a car during this time because you're, you need one. Uh, and of course, three weeks, nothing happened. Nobody could find what was wrong. The moment I got a replacement car, which was a lovely 911 Carrera S, so I didn't complain anymore. I was like, now you can keep the car as long as you like. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I have a lovely replacement car. But of course, then it was fixed after three days. So yeah, yeah. only at the 911 for a weekend. But yeah, Whoa. I mean, that, that overall, I think the car was pretty much six weeks at the dealership and not with me. That, that sucked. Yeah. No, I had, I had a very similar situation. Um, I bought a, this was back in my, I was, I don't know, I think it was a, uh, during my university years, um, I had a an old uh, B5 Passat. For those of you that know, the B5 is the square body shape made from like 1997 onwards. Um, and it had a lot of problems. Finally, I said, okay, I'm going to get rid of it and I'm going to buy it, something else. And, and everybody always told me Japanese cars are so reliable. So I said, okay. Um, you know, what can I get for around the $20,000 mark? Um, that's kind of cool, right? That would be a cool, fast uh, car. And of course, what comes up? Generally, you could either go two ways, GTI, which is sticking with the Germans. But if you go for a Mazda, you could get an MX-5, brand new. And uh, they had a very ridiculously good deal on one uh uh, what we it was not certified pre-owned it was still technically new it was driven by they're called demo vehicles mm. so uh, original sticker price i think was thirty-five thousand us um and i got it for around 20 uh, which is a nice. hefty hefty yeah. discount and this was the full top spec uh the one with the bilstein shocks and uh abac springs the it was the quote unquote, not, not fast version. Cause they were all the same fast. 
it was the handling package and everything. So camel leather interior, uh, it was beautiful. Mm. Um, and especially as, as I think a 22 year old, 21 year old kid, this was awesome, right? You had a convertible finally. I mean, the, okay. the MX-5 or, or Miata for American yeah. listeners, it's called Miata there. Yeah. It is a fantastic car. It is. It is. And, and of course, a lot of people uh, look down on it, but it is actually a fantastic car for oh, autocross, awesome, for... Awesome road, um, roadster. No, for, generally, the driving experience in it is a fantastic it's, it's seating unbelievable. position. The, the gear shift, I mean, if you have a manual gear shift. Oh, the gear, it was man, of course, amazing. it was manual, six-speed, short yeah. throw. It was wonderful. But yeah. the issue was, um, I bought the car. I actually never got to own the car, is what it came down to. I got the car. I drove it for maybe a week. Mm-hmm. First thing happened was it rained, the roof immediately started leaking, and the you know, soft top as it is, one of the seals was not correct, which is weird, but doesn't matter. But then, um, all of a sudden, airbag lights started going off. No, that's not, not so good, no. No, it's not so good, especially when the car is leaking, because mm. that means most likely water got into one of these modules. Yeah, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. There was rust in one of the major modules, um, but it took them, I think, roughly three months. And every single time they said it's fi it's fixed now, gave it back. Airbag light came on within mm. 24 hours. Yeah, took it back. And meantime, meanwhile, they gave me a loaner car, good for them, which was a Mazda three. Yeah, and basically, I told them, you know. This is ridiculous. I didn't buy a Mazda 3. Out of three months of ownership, I drove the car for maybe mm. two weeks. Yeah, that, that isn't. And nice. I told them, here's the keys. I want the money back. We're done here. Walk across. I bought myself a GTI from the Volkswagen showroom across the uh, way. But this is the issue with um, these service people is, is – yeah, see, ultimately, it's, it's, they it's just – It's a complex system and, and, and um, cars are complex. And um, – you have all of the electronics and other bits and pieces there. I mean, in the Boxster, eventually it turned out it was just a little cable that was that was mm -hmm. broken. Um, after they exchanged the entire cable tree of the entire car, which must have yeah. cost them a lot of money to do that. And it's, of course, on warranty, so it was... It yeah. was I didn't have to pay for that. but And this is what it comes down to. If it's warranty, they're happy to keep it for three months because Porsche, Mazda, whoever is paying them yeah, every yeah, single exactly. thing they do. Yeah. So, but, but again, this is, this is, it's complex and it's sometimes hard to find out where is the, the, the reason for it. And yeah. then, and then that's, right. that's the next thing when, when you, you say like, okay, you get the car back and it's fixed now. It's like, are you sure? If not. Oh, every time. I'm, are I'm you sure? And it never it was. It never car. was. I, I'm not your guinea pig to just test things for you and bring it back. And also, while <laughs> it was in bad. their possession, it developed a very nice door ding in the in the driver's door, the size of a you know you know oh. a, a good uh, two inches long. So anyway, yeah. Anyhow, good. nonetheless, back to, back to our yeah, original to service, topic of watches yeah, servicing, servicing. Um, because there's 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 something very similar there. I mean. Um, when you see there's there's sometimes issues with new movements, right? Uh, movements yep. that are like the Rolex 32 uh, basis movement. There seems to be some kind of um, issues with uh, low amplitude over time. So that means after a couple of years, the watch starts um, not having enough, let's say, torque. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, it, it affects the timekeeping. 
Uh, Tudor had an issue with the GMT movement in the beginning where they had the date change issues that has been fixed, but it was also very tough for them from what I heard. You know, mm -hmm. I, I have a friend who has a friend who's supposedly a watchmaker at Rolex and he was part of that troubleshooting team. And he heard in a bar talk basically what the real reason was and how hard it was to find because it only happened in fully assembled cased in watches not when the movement is taken out and you can actually observe and see what's actually happening yeah. inside the movement. So it was really hard to troubleshoot. That's why it took them so long and actually to fix it and then replace all of these movements. So these are complex machines. Even though they're tiny and they're working on our wrist, they are still very complicated. So yeah. again, what you said before from, from a service perspective, do I recommend that you do after just a preemptive service? No, I wouldn't. If nothing is wrong with the watch, don't bring it for service. If it's a vintage watch, that might be different. Because... Yeah, I'm going to go for that as well. Is is parts are rare, um, so in that case, you want to if you need to get going. a service, you, yeah. exactly you want to keep it going. Because right now with our newer watches, if something breaks, they're going to replace it, and it's going to cost you maybe an extra hundred dirhams, mm. and it's going to be nothing. Yeah. Exactly. And, and of yeah. course, all of this um, modern, now, modern, modern, I wanted modern, to mention two things here. Yeah. The modern oils and lubrication are, are much more robust and mm -hmm. they don't dissipate and they don't, you know, just uh, exactly. go bad that much. Anyway. I, I agree in this partially. I think they can go bad, but will it go bad within a, you know, a decade? No. Probably not. Yeah. So as Rolex says, most Oris also says 10 years service interval now. So I think that's, that's safe to pretty good, bet. Yeah. Now, you do have to keep an eye on your watches to make sure they're running correctly, that there's nothing going wrong. Um, because if you're not paying attention, then you can accidentally, you know, cause some damage. Yeah. Um, now, the one, the two things I wanted to mention first, um, I've only had one service experience, um, which was with uh, Rivoli. Mm -hmm. And it was also very well, you know, fantastic. Um, and that one was the Speedmaster. I had dropped yeah. it. I don't know if I mentioned this in the podcast or not, but I dropped it and um, my wife was there and it just slipped out of my hands. And I told my wife, ah, it's fine because I didn't drop it from very high. Yeah. Um, I said, hey, this is a, it's a robust watch. Don't worry about it. And I pick it up and the Hesselite was shattered. Oh. And you know, usually, and this goes for all the listeners here, mm -hmm. if you have a watch and the crystal breaks, the first thing you should do is stop the watch. Stop the watch. Can you stop an 1861 movement? Ah. <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> so I went to pull the crowd and I was like, oh, um, yeah, it's it not hacking. Ticking. Yeah. That's, that's so, called hacking that uh, the watch yeah. actually does the second hand or the movement entirely stops yeah. when you pull out the crown to the second stop or first not stop. Not all yeah. watches do this. Yeah. The it's older a luxury. Ones. And some. Until very my my JLC do still doesn't hack. Yeah, there's still some movement. So, that's yeah. true. so nonetheless, um, I was looking it up and I was like, this is not going to be cheap. I was afraid of how much it's going to cost. Ah, so so sorry, I looked sorry, up. Because before you say that, why do we say that? If you have a why we say crystal. Why? Oh, yeah. yeah. Why should you stop breaks, the watch from, from, from ticking? Yeah. The last thing you want is for the glass particles, the small shards of glass to get into the movement, right? Yeah. So you don't want any glass to get into those gears and that's just going to cause a disastrous, 
you know, outcome. Of course, hesalite being plastic does not break into shards. So that's the whole reason they used it in space, right? Mm -hmm. That was NASA's requirement is we cannot have glass in a cockpit because if it breaks, it goes everywhere, gets into instrumentation and can be devastating. So with plastic, it cracks, it breaks, but it does not shatter. So nonetheless, I didn't have to really worry about it, but I sent it off. Um, I was looking on eBay for parts uh, myself because I thought maybe I can replace it myself. Um, at the time, I remember it was 50 US, right. roughly 200 dirhams for the crystal itself. Um, Rivoli, generous people that they are. Uh, when I got the bill, I chuckled a little bit. They charged me for the replacement crystal, which was exactly 200 dirhams, and they didn't charge me any labor. Oh, that's nice of them. It's extremely nice. So in and out, 200 dirhams, 50 US dollars to replace the crystal on the Speedmaster. Yeah. And at that time, I was like, wow, this is awesome. So um, it is, this is anyway, really, the, really lovely uh, if you have these nice service experiences. Yeah. Um, it did take, eight, I think it was uh, two months roughly. Which was not pleasant, but... Yeah. yeah, so they had a probably a long queue of, of things to do. Or needed well, to it wait takes for one the... week yeah. going to and coming back because I, I think the service center is in Dubai. So from Elaine, it takes a week, they say, to go there and then a week to come back. So six weeks of queue time within Rivoli itself. Mm. So... Yeah, but hey, uh, at least it's okay, working again. It's not too expensive. Um, but changing your yeah. crystals yourself is also something where I think... Be careful of what you're, if you're not so inclined and you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, because exactly. Because pushing a crystal into, into a case and making sure that it's watertight, I mean, in any case, for the Speedmaster, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't case. matter, exactly. Um, but, but for other watches, it's not easy. And you might no. need a special high-pressure um, in, instruments for it, tools, so you, that you press the, 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 the crystal evenly yeah. and into the case Correct. without you know without it, be, it being even afterwards you have the weirdest things that i've seen in the pre-owned market where people did it themselves and it's it, yeah yeah it's not necessarily something that if you don't have the tools don't try even if don't you have do the it. tools exactly try with very cheap watches first yep. yeah so uh, not yeah. a speedmaster no. so uh, ultimately the last thing that i want to wrap up saying yeah is i did go to my friendly neighborhood Rolex service center the other day. Um, okay. I had the links of a watch adjusted mm-hmm. and I chatted with the guy and it was an Indian guy. And I asked him, how did you get into watchmaking? Uh, first, I actually asked him, so uh, I was under the impression that some watches are sent to Switzerland to be serviced um, and not done locally. And he said he is qualified to service anything up to the Daytona. Mm-hmm which is, I think, the 4,000 series movements. Yep. He said anything above that, which would be the Yachtmaster 2 and the Skydweller, yep. he cannot service, and those would be sent to uh, to uh, Rolex. So everything else can be serviced locally here in LA. Yep. Um, and so I asked him, okay, well, how'd you get into watchmaking? Oh, well, my father was a watchmaker. He taught me. Well, how did he get in? Oh, his father was a watchmaker. So these guys are three generations watchmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he, this uh, gentleman told me he had been uh, working for Russell Hoori service for 10 years. Yeah. His father worked here for an additional 20 before that. 
which i mean well that's like uh, it's like the old times right when you just took the is. profession from your dad you just took over his shop or whatever you uh, he was doing yeah. what you would you would aspire to do as well he would teach you that's right? super cool i think it's so yeah. cool mm. so but anyway it was it was nice to be able yeah. to chat with uh Uh, you know these guys and kind of see where they're coming from yes <laughs> exactly so uh, uh it's just it's interesting to see this in elaine you know it's elaine is, is a small town relatively speaking so um to have this kind of you know, third generation watchmaker here it's rolex certified as well that's cool yeah it's very nice and just yeah. generally being able to to speak to to the people who actually service service on, on work on your watch is is, is nice it's nice it is yeah because i like to pick their brain right it's it's fun to know exactly you know and they very often what's have, going have, have very good tips right so for example i for i got this from a watchmaker because i said look i have this one watch where um i also had a butterfly clasp And it was always pushing to the top of my um, wrist, right? So when it doesn't sit in the middle of your um, of your wrist, but it pushes a bit up. And he said, "Yeah, then then shorten the the links on one side, mm -hmm. so that the clasp, the heavier clasp, pulls the watch a bit towards this side." Yeah, so, so it's always so six o'clock should be shorter than twelve o'clock. For me, in my in my wrist, yes, that definitely works. Yeah. If the six o'clock part of the of the of the strap is shorter, it sits better on my wrist. It doesn't start yeah, wandering up. Yeah. Yeah. But for other people, it can be completely different. Uh, very often, it's uh, you see people that actually just swap the movement, uh, the so not the, swap the the strap around. That already mm -hmm. makes a huge difference. And makes it more yeah, comfortable. It could it can look odd for for the b beginning, but in the end, uh, whatever. Well, is more I have this right? big uh, question right now: oh, is I have the that. new Cartier, right? Yeah. The new Santos, mm -hmm. and it's quick release bracelet. Yeah. And it's a butterfly clasp. Yep. And I cannot, for the life of me, figure out which side connects to which side. Is there a difference between the two? Because the clasp is not symmetrical, even though it's a butterfly. Mm. It's There's no marking, so you can't look at pictures and see if a logo <laughs> is one way or another. It's totally, you know, uniform, but it's not symmetrical. Oh so one God. side is slightly longer than the other because one side has a clasp and the other side kind of has a hole, like a female and a male side. And so who knows? You want to know what is the correct way or do you want to know correct. what's the, the way that is actually more comfortable for you because that for you me it doesn't easily, make a difference easily test it doesn't make a difference <laughs> but i'm curious i'm curious which way cartier had in, had this in mind please dear should listeners, you be closing yeah. yeah if anybody knows let us know um, and this goes this goes beyond this on a butterfly clasp because for instance on a regular closure you always close towards the six o'clock side right yeah You close towards the left if you're wearing it on your left hand. Mm -hmm. On a butterfly clasp, which side should close first? See, um, I would say usually, yeah, good, good point, good point. I seen this recently with, I think it was the IWC engineer, the new one that I tried in the boutique, and I think it was the one on six o'clock first and the one on twelve o'clock. Second. second which is how i have mine set up as well yeah um but other, is this correct Who knows? if you have a logo on it or or the brand name then if the you turn the wrist towards you you should be able to read it 
So it should Unfortunately, be down. the Cardia logo is symmetrical. Yeah, yeah my Vashon Constantin is just a... <laughs> is as well, yeah. yeah. It's also symmetrical. So it doesn't do anything for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in any case, mine is, is, uh, is not... You don't have to fold in one before the other. It's, it doesn't it's matter. It's both the same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. So, okay, good. All Excellent right. Excellent episode. So we have covered so much ground. Very good. I think so. Um, please let us know about the Cartier clasp. If anybody, if anybody has an idea, please DM if us. If anybody on knows, Instagram. once again, follow us. Yeah, Instagram at yeah. Loom Plotters. Uh, let us know if you have any questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, um, and we're happy to get back to you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Yes, yes. Bye bye.